Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We love you and bless you and welcome you to the Torah study. I'm Pastor Scott, and uh, uh, we welcome uh, anyone who's uh, Zooming with us this morning. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. And last week we had nine people Zooming with us, and so uh, amen to that. Technology works. Glory to God. So uh, thank you for, uh, even though on the calendar we've fallen back, uh, we're really moving forward. <laughs> and God is using His Word, His people, His anointing, His Spirit uh, to take us to higher ground. Who's ready to take the higher ground and possess the land? Amen. Well, today's a good day to talk about the father of our faith, Abraham. We're in Torah study number 3 out of Genesis 12 through Genesis 17. And uh, it, it's the study of Abraham, the very first Hebrew, the very first Jew. And Abraham, who's the father of our faith, he began a worldwide spiritual movement of faith that there is but one true God. Anyone else believe there is just one God? Amen. And so he uh, uh, didn't necessarily uh, put it in words. Maybe he did. We'll find out when we get to heaven uh, of uh, the Shema prayer. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And so it's through Abraham uh, that we're connected to every promise of God. In fact, uh, God first promised uh, Abraham, he promised the Jewish people through Abraham, and by extension, you and I today uh, enter into this promise that uh, out of Genesis 12, I will bless those, you know that, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, who represents Israel. Amen. So I'll bless those who bless you, Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the world will be blessed. Genesis 12.3. That word blessed there, we have a dear friend in uh, Jerusalem who runs a uh, a Judeo-Christian messianic congregation uh, in downtown Jerusalem. And uh, in his commentary, he's got several commentaries. How many of you have ever uh, been here when Brother Joseph Shulam has come? Yeah, he teaches that this word blessed is a unique word that means intermingled or grafted in. In you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be grafted in. 
grafted in uh, comes up in uh, Romans 11 that we are grafted into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, the Jewish people, that structure, that framework of faith that originated with Abraham. And so uh, for those of us that stand with Israel, that will be a blessing to the Jewish people, support the vision, support the destiny of Israel. God promises great spiritual blessing, great physical blessing, great financial blessing. Who likes the idea of more blessing? Me too. So part of that blessing uh, is being able to walk in divine revelation. Here Abraham, he's in a pagan nation, no one believes, and suddenly uh, he gets this epiphany, this revelation of the one true God, and he carries it to the world. Yeah? So that same calling is in you. Great vision. Your eyes are open. You have eyes to see, ears to hear. He had that great spiritual vision. Nobody just picks up their uh, their family and leaves their their uh, their family their they don't their country their nation leaves it all behind and goes on an incredible uh, spiritual journey to a place unknown. That takes strong faith. And so that DNA is passed into you and I as children of Abraham. Abraham overcame many obstacles. In uh, ancient Jewish wisdom, he passed ten great tests of faith. The tenth and final one was obeying God to take Isaac to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. That became the very place where Jesus was offered. So Abraham foreshadows the work of the Messiah. He and Isaac, we owe them a debt of gratitude. So when we're walking streets of gold, be sure to go up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Right? He lived a long, blessed life. I don't know if you're planning on living to that Willard Scott age. Remember Willard Scott on the Today Show and he had the Smuckers thing and he's celebrating a hundred years old. Today is so and so. Let's, let's expand our vision. The average lifespan doesn't have to be 72. Let's think a little bigger than that. Thank you, Lord, for a long, blessed life like my father Abraham. A quality of life. An influential life. A blessed life. You begin to speak that out. Amen. He was divinely favored and very wealthy. Nothing wrong with that part of the promise either. We'll take it. (laughs) And may this year, going into this new biblical new year, may there be an increase in everything that's been happening in your life. Amen. Spiritually, physically, financially. If you're battling something, may God use this message today to help you build a vision of divine health and healing. May there be no feeble bone in our body. May we live a long, prosperous life. I think Abraham was 99 when everything went down with the birth of Isaac. Okay.
<laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, what we don't know, uh, many of us don't know this, but uh, Abraham is connected to God's prophetic timeline. And in ancient Jewish wisdom, uh, along with uh, many experts in Christianity, uh, they agree, we agree, I believe, that God created mankind uh, to have dominion on this earth for 6,000 years. What, what we're living through now models the six days of creation. Jewish literature teaches there were 2,000 years empty without Torah, 2,000 years with Torah, and 2,000 years of uh, times with the Messiah. That's 6,000 years. It parallels the 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. From Adam to Abraham, we went through Noah, Nimrod, the flood. We had all of this, you know, and then there's 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. And then from Jesus till now, there's 2,000 years. 6,000 years. After this uh, 6,000 year period, this prophetic timeline uh, says uh, uh, that the rapture is going to happen. Somebody that's holding back the Antichrist is going to be taken out of the way, 2 Thessalonians 2. That's you and I. That's a rapture scripture. We're going to be taken out of the way. And then the Antichrist will reveal himself. And the seven years of tribulation, at the end of that seven years, there is a second coming of the Lord. Right? And that second coming ushers in the thousand year reign of the Messiah. So do the math, 2,000, 2,000, that's 6,000 years plus a thousand year reign of the Messiah. Uh, Jewish wisdom, Jewish literature says there's six eons. An eon is a thousand year period. These are our Jewish uh, counterparts. Six eons for going in and coming out. For war and peace. The seventh eon is entirely Shabbat. And rest for everlasting life. So, uh, all of this is in play. It's calculated in Judaism. If you go to most Jewish websites right now, uh, they'll have a date on the top, years from creation. 5,783 years from creation. Well, that's not even close to 6,000 years. So the Messiah can't come for a couple hundred years? Oh, uh, here's where it gets fun. Go into your search engine and type in the missing 240 years. And read about how through all the generations, all these thousand year periods, how the leaders screwed up the calendar. (laughs) So even though we say we're 5,783 years from creation, or we say we're in 2022, uh, there's discrepancies. Research experts, re, uh, data showing that there's at least over 200 missing years. Uh, some say up to 240. 
So however you slice and dice that, get your spiritual vegematic out and slice and dice that, we're, uh, you add that to the 5783 and we're right there at 6,000 years. We're on the verge of the 7th millennium. And that's a good thing. Because for those of us, children of Abraham, walking by faith, believing in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, we're going to make heaven our home, we're going to experience a rapture, and following that we're going to see uh, uh, tribulation, there'll be tribulation saints, we'll all come together at the end of that seven years, the Antichrist will be defeated, the devil will be cast into the lake of fire for a thousand years, Revelation says, and we will rule and reign with the Lord. Sorry you don't get a cloud and a harp. You're going to rule and reign on planet earth and do something for those thousand years. A lot of people think that the rapture is the end. And so they use that scripture like uh, 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 Jesus can't come until the gospel is preached to all the world and then the end will come. And many people confuse that with being the rapture. But there's people that get saved during the rap, or during the tribulation. And in fact, even though there's only a few, there's people that get saved during the thousand year millennium. So, uh, thinking that Jesus can't come until the gospel's been preached to everyone in the jungles of Papua New Guinea or in, uh, you know, uh, some other deep, dark, uh, uh, uncivilized, that's gonna, that's our job during the millennium. To preach the gospel, to establish the kingdom, and then, you know, whether there's life on Mars, maybe you'll be the one that establishes life on Mars. I don't know how all that works. But there's uh, something very interesting to discover about Abraham's life in that according to uh, all the great sages, Abraham was born 1,948 years from creation. 1948. Abraham was born in 1948, 1,940 years from creation. This has been in Jewish wisdom for uh, many eons. Uh, and 1948, so, something else uh, was uh, born on 1940. Israel was reborn as a nation. Huh, I wonder if that's a coincidence. Both Abraham and Israel born in the same year. And here's what's very fascinating, is that Abraham was 75 years old when God called him out of Haran. Okay? One year later at 76, Abraham enters into the promised land. And this is where he enters into a covenant with the Lord. At the age of 76, add 1948 and 76. Do the math and you come up with 2024. That's two years from now. 2024. So 2024 from creation is when Abraham entered into the land of promise. And he entered into this formal covenant with the Lord. 
And just like God had something significant happen in 1948 to parallel and correspond with 1,948, could it be that 2024-2024, God has something incredible and amazing planned for you and I? I believe so. I believe our world is about to change. And for you and I that believe in blessing Israel and standing with the Jewish people, fulfilling Bible prophecy, living out our lives as followers of Yeshua and uh, living out our faith no matter what it looks like out in the world, no matter what the Antichrist crowd is planning and plotting and implementing, you and I, uh, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Abraham. Lot there, isn't there? So what God originated through Abraham begins in one of the most important biblical cities you've never heard of. Shechem. Shechem. Nablus. Modern day Nablus. It's just north of Jerusalem. About a half hour drive. Shechem. It's the place where Abraham and Sarah lived. It's where Jacob lived. Jacob's well is there. It's where Joseph descended into exile and eventually landed into Egyptian slavery. That all began out of Shechem. This is where Joshua brought Israel after coming out of the wilderness for 40 years you know, we all think, well, he just, they all, God just took them all right to Jerusalem. No, God took them to Shechem. Yeah. In fact, this is where Joseph's bones are interned. Joseph's tomb is in uh, uh, Nablus, uh, biblical Shechem. It's where the tabernacle stood and the worship of God was centered for almost 400 years in Shechem. It's also in Shechem where Jeroboam, just after Solomon dies, Jeroboam leads a civil war amongst the twelve tribes. And he convinces ten of the twelve tribes to secede, leaving only Judah and Benjamin in Jerusalem. He takes the twelve tribes and relocates the center of worship in Shechem. He's going back to Shechem and they set up an alternative system of worship in this city. No one has ever visited any, well maybe you have. No, nobody in, in the tour guide business in Israel takes Christians to Shechem. I want to go to Shechem. I want to stand where Abraham stood when he pledged his allegiance to Jehovah. That's where it all happened. Shechem's also where Jesus meets the Samaritan women at whose well? Jacob's well in Shechem. The main home of the Samaritans is in Shechem. Samaria, Shechem. And... Uh, Shechem was to the Samaritans like Jerusalem was and is to the Jews. And this is the main reason why Samaritans were despised. Because the Jews 
said it's Jerusalem that's the holy city, not Shechem. So don't set up a whole system of worship in the north in Samaria. We have that already established when God had David move the Ark of the Covenant down to the city of David from Shechem 400 years after. Yeah. And so that's that. If you ever wonder, how come there's this animosity? Why would Jews walk all the way around? So Because they just felt like the Samaritans uh, had counterfeited God's system. And they were doing a false paganistic uh, system of worship. So, uh, dating back 4,000 years, Abraham's 4,000 years ago, we see that the Jews are directly connected with Samaria, with Israel, with the covenant promise, And so it kind of, wouldn't you agree, refutes the lie that somehow they're Johnny-come-latelys to the land and other people beat them to the punch. No, Abraham was there at the beginning, 4,000 years ago. I don't know of any other nationality, race, or creed that has that level of claim on the land. Jews have had a continuous presence in Israel for 4,000 years. They're not occupying the land. Amen? So, today's Torah study uh, is an introduction to Abraham, and it introduces us to Shechem, and when you start studying Shechem, it's very fascinating what goes on here. Let's go to Genesis 12 if you have your Bible. In verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. God bless Abraham. Abram. Abram went. As the Lord told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, Sarai, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, they were already preaching the gospel in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Covenant promise. So he, Abram, built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Wow. This is is the origins of Judeo-Christianity right here. And it takes place in Shechem, and it takes place at the site of this oak tree 
in Moray. It's the Terebith tree that some Bibles translate it, and some call it Mamre. Uh, but uh, it's all happening right here in this special location. It's disappointing that uh, we've never really revered Shechem as a holy site. Lots of holy sites in Israel, lots of places to see. Shechem ain't one of them. (laughs) But it's the very first place in Israel where God appears to Abram, Abraham, and officially seals a relationship which you and I today would call a covenant relationship. And in response to this, Abram builds an altar to the Lord, a memorial place of sacrifice. And that altar has stood as a memorial for Abraham and his descendants uh, for 4,000 years. There is a place there. I don't know how you you get your GPS. Oh, this is the spot. I, I don't think you can do that. But you're in the general vicinity. Uh, but what's happening here speaks to you and I and points to you and I that our relationship with the Lord is a powerful covenant commitment. Amen? It's, it's, it's like you're swearing allegiance. You're taking an oath. When you're born again, it's not just some kind of, oh yeah, I got born again. No, you like are entering into a covenant relationship with God Almighty. Amen? And so God uh, references the altar, because the altar is a place of sacrifice. For you and I, uh, in modern terms, in modern times, we need to realize that when we pledge our allegiance to the Lamb, we're making a sacrifice. We're sacrificing all the things we used to live for and stand for. If they don't line up with God, there may be some things you carry over. But for most of us, we're coming out of darkness. We're coming out of a lifestyle that ain't so cool. Right? A sinful lifestyle. A rebellious lifestyle. And we're repenting before God and saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Wash me clean through the blood of this sacrifice. And I pledge my allegiance that moving forward, I'm all in with you. Yeah. We need more altar calls where people sense and feel that. Yeah. The altar is where you die. (laughs) Right? You die to the concept that I'm only here to live for myself. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Yeah? The altar is symbolic of not only death, but resurrection. The death side of things is when you're slaughtering, you're sacrificing the animalistic side of your life. Right? And as that happens, God says, because of that, the power of the blood, the power of that death, the power of that sacrifice is going to raise you up into a new life. You'll become a new creation. Sins forgiven, curses broken, and the blessing released. Yeah? 
So that's uh, what's going on here. That's what Abraham is doing. And as the father of our faith, that's the DNA we're inheriting. Yeah? And the thing is, is it's not, I did that once. (laughs) Right? Well, I did that once 20 years ago. What more do you want? (laughs) Stop bugging me with all this commitment stuff. (laughs) Okay. I try to explain that in heaven. I'm not sure how that all works out, but I think that's why there's tears in heaven. Why does Jesus wipe away every tear? Because all of a sudden you get everything put on replay. (laughs) Oh no. Might as well get it right now. <laughs> live holy now. Live righteous now. Do your best. And if you do, uh, uh, if you do make a mistake, if you do sin and miss the mark, we have a faithful Messiah who will forgive us. How many times? Well, seven times seventy. Unlimited forgiveness. Yeah. So what's happening here in Shechem and with Abraham is a vivid picture of our commitment to the Lord. It represents our born-again experience. It's a declaration of our faith and our pledge to be faithful. Full of faithfulness. Yep. It's a proclamation that we're entering into an unbreakable covenant with the Lord to serve Him. And to help uh, and to live our lives so that we're lined up accordingly. This means we need to make some decisions. We need to renounce and reject some things. Well, why do I have to change? I was born this way. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Right? All of this foreshadows what Jesus accomplished in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've been there. He's on his way to the cross, which is another type of altar. And he's faced with some, making some decisions, and he ultimately says, Not my will, but thine be done. And that becomes our battle cry, right? That's what we are doing in our Christian life. We're sorting through the decisions. We're measuring things against the Word of God. We're deciding, is what I'm living my life like, what I'm standing for, what I'm convinced of and convicted to, to do, is that, does that line up with the Word of God? That's a lifelong journey. And when you see it as a covenant commitment, I mean, it's just, okay, I'm in. I don't have a problem with that. You got a problem with that? It's no accident this all happens at this oak tree in Moray. Moray means teacher. It's an archery term, speaking of hitting the right marks in life. Aiming your life in a way where you're shooting at the right targets. It can even mean early rain. And it's amazing because it comes from the same root word, yara, that means Torah. More means Torah. The more tree 
in Shechem speaks to I'm making this covenant commitment underneath the banner of Torah. Is that amazing? It's also Genesis 18, it comes up next week. This is where Abraham pitched his tent and he was circumcised right there at that oak tree. Circumcision began way back then as a sign of the covenant. It was a symbolic commitment for Abraham, our born-again prayer is a solemn commitment that we're going to reproduce a godly, moral lifestyle based on the B-I-B-L-E, the Torah. Yeah? Now there's a lot going on. It's a pretty thick book. <laughs> it's a lifelong journey. You don't learn it all in a week, a month, a year, ten years. How many of you have been saved for twenty years or more? Have you learned everything that God wants you to learn? <laughs> if you said yes, that's a four Pinocchio. <laughs> Moray is connected to Torah. I pledge my allegiance to the Bible. It's the living word. Jesus said, I am the living word. My words are spirit and life. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word. And so there's a lot of uh, debate and argument. Well, in modern times, the word has changed. In modern times, lifestyles that have emerged in our society Today, uh, we need to be more tolerant of and accept. Come on in, sit on the front row and do what you light up a smoke if you want. <laughs> no, you're supposed to figure out, you know what? God has a way, He is the Lord, He changes not. You had a way, some of it may be good, but most of it was probably not so good. And it's now I've got to renew my mind. Change my way of thinking. I need to uh, change my allegiances, my loyalties. I'm not loyal to the world anymore. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That's the cry of our hearts. Say amen real loud so they hear you at home. It's no accident. Shechem means shoulder. Shechem means Shoulder. And it points to the concept that since we're covenant partners, we didn't just pray some meaningless little now I lay me prayer at the altar. And if you did, then pray a new prayer today and re-energize that commitment to a new level. You're covenant partners with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And there's some things that you need to shoulder. Abraham was in Shechem because God wanted to make a point that you are going to shoulder or bear the burden of keeping that covenant commitment. It's your duty. Christians don't have a duty. Wrong. It's your obligation. Christians don't, don't tell me about an obligation. I'm under grace. Grace doesn't mean you get an opt-out card that you're not obligated to live God's way. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Well, that's true. 
But that's not an opt-out card, and that shouldn't be your lifelong motto. Your lifelong motto ought to be, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have not, I will not, I will never turn back. Abraham didn't turn back. Yeah. And God brought him to Shechem. To show him, Abraham, you and your descendants are going to shoulder some responsibility of speaking against the darkness in this world. The nimrods of this world are trying to put people into bondage. I have come uh, through you to speak the gospel, to speak life, to show people the true way. And that's in our DNA. That's why going to church should not just be a 60-minute experience. When is this guy going to (laughs) end? How many of you came from the day where we had three-hour services and then came back at at 6 o'clock that night, Sunday night, and then we were Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night church service, and maybe a revival the next weekend? And then lather, rinse, and repeat. Now we want a 55-minute guarantee or I'm going to a different church. I've found that his burden, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Following the Lord and his divine principles isn't a burden to me. Because I understand that when I apply those principles, they work. And when they work, they bring peace, they bring joy, they bring happiness, they bring blessing, prosperity, health, and healing, and on and on and on. That's the blessing of Abraham. The Hebrew word for covenant is Brit. And it's used 280 times in the Old Testament. And it means to divide or to cut in two. Part of that is an image. You're cutting away something from your life. It's just not you and uh, a free-for-all. No, there, there's boundaries. There's still things that are forbidden. Yeah? There's still forbidden fruit. And even though the world is trying to redefine every term they can think of to make you think that what was right is now, this is now right. No, that, that, that was what we call wrong. Cut that thing, separate it, divide it. And when you do, and you're on the right side of things, God will reward you. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Who's ever been rewarded by God? Yeah, come on. It saddens me there's churches that don't really teach about covenant commitment and the blessing of it. If you make covenant commitment with the Lord with sincere faith and a desire to be faithful, then God Almighty, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Shalom, all the blessings of God, everything that God is, is all of a sudden on your side. And you'll be blessed like Abraham was blessed. And then it's just lather, rinse, and repeat. 
So all of that began at the very outset because Abraham decided that he was going to leave things behind. He was willing to be retaught. Abraham, you're living in Haran. That's a pretty pagan place. There's a whole lot to this lifestyle that I need to teach you. But God said, I chose Abraham because he was willing to teach it to his family and his descendants. So for Abraham then, for you and I now, if we're going to walk in the blessing of God, we all want the blessing of God. There's a blessing that comes from the Lord that maketh a man rich, Proverbs says, and adds no sorrow to it. I want more of that. (laughs) Anybody else want more of the blessing with, with less and less and less sorrow involved? Well, this means walking away from your past. You can't live in your past. The feelings, I mean, the vivid picture of what happened way back when. If that's clouding your mind right now, God is saying, think like Abraham. He was willing to leave all of that behind. Think like the Apostle Paul. I forget those things that are behind me. Look, I was a first class knucklehead. Before Christ. Some people think I still resemble that remark. (laughs) I'm trying my best. All American sinner. I mean, just vile, wicked, prodigal, all the, uh, the negative things. But I don't sit there and dwell on that anymore. When I got saved, I realized I got saved. I'm redeemed. If I'm redeemed, I've been deemed, repositioned to a new place in life. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. So I don't dwell on all of that. I'm sorry for it if I I regret my behavior, but I'm not going to feel condemned because there is therefore now no condemnation. Song from the 80s. God instructed Abraham, go from your country, leave your family, leave your father's house. What is he saying? That's all water under the bridge, son. I got a new beginning for you. You can't go back and change that. You can't live life in the rearview mirror. If you're vexed and you're going through all these crazy feelings about what, what, what you did or what someone did to you or just how come I keep feeling this way? That ain't God. It ain't God. Deal with it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let the power of the cleansing blood of Christ cleanse my mind, cleanse my spirit, and let me begin to focus not on the problems of my past, but on the destiny that you've given me in my future. And when the devil comes around and tries to remind you of you, uh, 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 I'm falling for that one. And that's that gravitational pull. The devil wants to use the gravitational pull. So don't get involved with that. Walk away from your past. Walk into your destiny. That, that's, that's what being born again is all about. 
It's leaving and cleaving. Leaving and cleaving. Where have I heard that? Genesis. Leave and cleave. You could say it this way. It's cutting the umbilical cord. You're born again. What you were attached to previously has been cut, severed. Don't try to stitch that back together and try to go back and heal those memories. I don't, I don't like the people that want to take you back in. Well, it, probably when, when you were a baby. Let's try to go back in time and see what you were like as a baby and try to heal that. The power of Christ, the power of the Word can bring healing just like that. It's just get your mind on Jesus. Ephesians 4 says in verse 21, If you have really heard His voice and learned from Him the truths concerning Himself, then throw off your old evil nature. Picture throwing that off. Picture a running back throwing off a linebacker on his way to scoring a touchdown. Throw off some things. I mean, that conjures up the idea, you know what, that there is some wrestling going on. There's some conflict. There's some. You're on a collision course with your flesh and the enemy trying to keep you in your past. But throw that off. The old you that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and shame. It's in the Bible. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Yeah. Yes, you must be a new and different person. New and different, new and different, new and different. I'm patient, loving, and kind. I'm patient, loving, and kind. I'm writing that on my chalkboard 500 times. I'm patient, loving, and kind. I'm patient, loving, and kind. I'm patient, loving... Or whatever you're trying to break free from. Yeah? So you can be a new and different person. You're renewing your mind. Uh, and your mind is renewed by the Word. You've got to get under your own oak tree. That tree of moray. The Torah tree. And learn the principles. Learn the strategies. And then you'll clothe yourself with this new nature. Yep. So, what we're talking about is much more than just a one-time altar call. It's a lifestyle, right? Well, I attend church on Sunday. Uh, I miss a few uh, each month. What, what more do you expect? Well, if you want to have more joy, more happiness, more peace, more prosperity, more wisdom, more favor, then you've got to go all in. It's an all-in deal. You can't have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, because you'll be a double-minded man. You'll be always in conflict, always in stress, always strife, always conflict. Yeah. So what does it take to be a covenant Christian? What does it take to live a life like Abraham? Just take the next step. You did today. Here you is. You chose wisely. Well, maybe if I chose wisely once, I can choose wisely again. Yeah? 
But it does mean you need to faithfully dig into the covenant. Yeah. God has a word for every circumstance. You need to learn that word. If all you know is John 3.16, that's enough to get you into heaven. But it's not going to be enough to live an abundant life down on the ground while we're still around. You're going to need a lot more than John 3.16. If all you want is thief on the cross faith, that'll get you into heaven. Yeah. But what if you're here for another 25 years? Do you want to have hell on earth? (laughs) Or do you want to live free? Do you want to live happy? Do you want to live a, a, a blessed life, a quality life, an influential life, a prosperous life? Then you got to dig into the covenant. Jesus said in Luke 6, the wise man digs deep. It's in there, digs deep to build his house on the rock. Digs deep. You know, it's kind of like getting a master's degree in the Word of God. Who's your master? Jesus Christ. All of his teachings, when we learn them and continually apply them, leads us into that Ph.D. level. We've got a lot of PhDs here. God bless you. Live a spirit-filled life. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues? Develop the fruit of the Spirit. Find out what it means to be (laughs) blood-bought. Find out how to walk by faith. How do I walk above the problems of this world, above the circumstances? How do I walk in love? How do I pray? If, if the only prayer level that a, a Christian has is now I lay me down to sleep level prayer, you can't fight the devil with that. The, the, he, <laughs> Look, I didn't join Christianity because I needed a crutch or because I was afraid of hell. I wanted to live the life I was designed to live by the creator of all heaven and earth. And I got an epiphany that day, March 11, 1984, that Jesus is real. He is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. He is the Rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. He's the Author and Finisher of my faith. So I need to get involved. I just don't want to be a believer. The monkeys are believers. How many of you are believers? Everybody will raise. How many of you are disciples? That's the real question. Disciples of Christ. And once you become, you switch that attitude, you're a disciple of Christ. Now all of a sudden, God's power and authority will manifest in your life. You'll take a giant step of faith forward. You'll begin to use the weapons of spiritual warfare in a way that will silence the devil and stop him in his tracks when he is about seeking whom he may devour. Uh Uh-uh. In the name and by the blood of Jesus, you will not have me. You will not have my destiny. You will not have my family. I loosen the power of the blood, the power of the cross, and the power of the word. Yeah. And there's so much more. But, but look, it's a journey, right? What else are you going to do? Right? You're going to play golf four days a week? That's going to run out. No, serve the Lord. It's a lifelong journey. 
It's a commitment. How many of you would say today that it's a commitment worth making? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Amen. Well, thank you for making that commitment. God's going to reward you and bless you for it.